In September of 1896, 150 inmates were brought to the Ohio State Reformatory to serve their sentences. What they weren't aware of is that much of the prison was unfinished at the time and the inmates would be tasked with finishing the construction. They would go on to install the sewer system, six outbuildings, as well as a 25-foot stone wall around the property. The reformatory's history quickly turned dark with over 200 confirmed deaths on the property, and this led to it becoming what is known as the most haunted place in Ohio. I'm Ashton, and welcome to The Haunted Corner. Welcome back to the Haunted Corner. I'm happy you're here. It's Thursday, which means that I have another dark and spooky one for you. Today, we're going to be talking about the Ohio State Reformatory. It has been featured on many ghost hunting shows, including Portals to Hell. They have a really great episode covering the Reformatory, and it is very haunted. So let's get into it. In 1867, Mansfield, Ohio was one of the top candidates for the location of the new intermediate penitentiary, as it was originally known. The city raised $10,000 to purchase 30 acres of land for the penitentiary, and the state was able to get another 150 acres of adjoining land for $20,000. This land was initially used as a training camp for civil war soldiers and was called Camp Mordecai Bartley in honor of a Mansfield man who served as the Ohio governor in the 1840s. Construction began in 1886, and due to financial problems, including an economic crisis in 1890, which caused delays, it remained under construction until 1910. The original architect for the reformatory was a man from Cleveland named Levi Schofield. He used three architectural styles in the construction, including Victorian Gothic, Richardsonian Romanesque, and Queen Anne. It's said that these three specific styles were used in the design as a way to encourage inmates to become reborn back into their spiritual lives. The exterior gave the appearance of several different castles in Europe. It's visually stunning. I'll include pictures on the blog for you to look at so you can just take in how gorgeous it is. The penitentiary was built under the supervision of an architect named F.F. Schneitzer, and he was presented with a silver double inkwell by the governor of the state in a lavish ceremony to thank him for his services. Construction was underway, and the two wings of the building were designed to hold four tiers of 150 cells each. There was also the possibility of a vertical expansion for an additional level if needed. An additional cell block was also planned to hold another 250 inmates. Also under construction was the administration building, which would 
hold a reception room and offices for the board of managers, the warden, the clerk, and the bookkeeper on the first level. It also had living rooms for the deputy warden and other officers on the second and third floors, and a separate residence was also built for the warden. The reformatory was originally called the Intermediate Penitentiary because it accepted inmates who were too old for juvenile corrections, but had committed offenses more minor than those that, of those who were sent to the Ohio State Penitentiary. In 1891, the name was changed from the Intermediate Penitentiary to Ohio State Reformatory. The goal of the institution was truly to reform and rehabilitate its inmates. So the inmates would receive three things during their time at the reformatory, including religion, education, and a trade. Inmates were admitted for 18 months, and if they showed progress, they could be released after that time. If not, they received another 18 months. This model was really successful, and they had a high success rate and a low recidivism rate, which was as low as 10% at some times. On September 15, 1896, the reformatory opened its doors to its first 150 offenders. These prisoners were brought by train from Columbus, Ohio, and put immediately to work on the prison sewer system and the 25-foot stone wall surrounding the complex. A trade school was implemented where inmates manufactured shoes, furniture, vehicles, harnesses, tools, and other implements. In 1908, a new six-story cell block, which is still the largest freestanding steel cell block in the world, opened on the east side of the reformatory. The cells were eight feet long and five and a half feet wide, and sometimes housed up to three inmates at once. Although it was initially created to house nonviolent offenders, Population swelled nearby, and eventually they were forced to accept more violent inmates at the reformatory. In 1930, there was a major fire at Ohio State Penitentiary, and 312 inmates died. Because of the destruction, they needed a place to put the remaining inmates, so they were brought to the reformatory and kept in the West Attic. It's said that there were over 300 inmates kept in there at one time, and it was severely overcrowded. This is said to be a very haunted part of the building, where women have felt like they're being touched inappropriately. And one time, a man felt a burning on his back, and when they looked at it, there was a huge, deep scratch mark on there that appeared to be fresh. In the late 1930s, a riot broke out in the east cell block. As a punishment, the guards forced 120 rioters to share 12 solitary confinement cells for one week without food or water. This punishment drove many to the brink of madness and death. From 1935 until 1959, Arthur Lewis Glatke was a superintendent there. He was respected by professionals and inmates alike. He implemented many reforms, such as music being played in the cell blocks. Helen, who was his wife, was in her closet in the living quarters on a Sunday morning. She was getting ready for church. 
She reached up in the closet for a box, and her husband's handgun was sitting on top of the box. The gun fell off, and it landed on the floor and discharged, and it hit her directly in the lung. She died a few days later in a local hospital. Her husband, Arthur, died following a heart attack he suffered in his office on February 10, 1959. Helen is said to haunt the reformatory to this day. And she used to make rose-scented perfumes, and the smell often appears throughout the property. It's said to be a common paranormal experience at the reformatory. People will often smell the scent of rose-scented perfume, and they, they acknowledge that that's Helen. In 1948, two former inmates, John West and Robert Daniels, kidnapped the prison's farm superintendent and his wife, as well as their 20-year-old daughter from their home on the honor farm. The two then murdered the entire family in a cornfield off Fleming Falls Road. Then they, were, they went on a two-week crime spree that left six people dead. They were known as the Mad Dog Killers, and they were later found near Van Wert, where a shootout resulted in the death of West and Daniel's capture. Robert Daniels was later executed in the electric chair. The reformatory was initially built to house a thousand inmates at a time, but it's said that at times it housed up to 3,000 inmates at once. During its 94 years as a working prison, 154,000 inmates passed through the gates. The focus eventually moved away from reform and more towards punishment. Some of these punishments included water hoses, a sweat box, which was reserved for the inmates who were not white, electro-torture, known as the butterfly, and probably the worst of all, the hole. The hole was a small, bare, solitary confinement cell where lots of prisoners went completely insane. They were subjected to extreme violence from other inmates and even the staff. The food was disgusting. The sanitation was awful. And as mentioned, there were rat infestations in every wing. Many of the inmates died of diseases such as the flu, tuberculosis, and many died by suicide. At least one inmate lit himself on fire. On the fourth level in the east cell block, in cell number 13, there was a 25-year-old man whose name was James Lockhart. He had been denied parole. He came back to his cell. He had stolen some flammable liquid, which was said to be paint thinner. He closed the cell door, lit himself on fire, and that is how he died. He's reported to haunt the prison to this day. At times, guards were even forced to double the occupancy in death row cells, which resulted in at least one inmate's death. According to a report I read, during morning checks, guards noticed a prisoner was missing from one of the cells, and upon later inspection, 
the prisoner's body was found beaten and stuffed beneath the bunk. Just outside the reformatory stand 215 numbered graves, which are a vivid reminder of the harsh reality of the prison life. Of the over 200 deaths are two guards who were killed. In the 1920s, Urban Wilford was shot by an inmate named Philip, and another guard named Frank was killed during a prison escape when he was beaten to death by inmates. As early as 1933, the Ohio State Reformatory was cited as being overcrowded and unsanitary, and that a large, large number of inmates had little or no rehabilitative values. An evaluation of the prison in 1973 called for its demolition and for the construction of several smaller institutions that could hold no more than 500 inmates total. The Council for Humane Dignity, which was a coalition of church and civic groups, filed a federal lawsuit on behalf of the 2,200 inmates at Ohio State in 1978 claiming that the prisoners' constitutional rights were being violated due to the inhumane conditions of the facility. A federal court made the decision to close the prison by 1986, although this was extended to 1990 due to construction delays with the new Mansfield Correctional Institute that was built to house the inmates nearby. The reformatory sat empty for several years until local activists rallied to purchase the building from the state, reportedly for $1, and they committed to repairing and restoring the historic structure. In 1995, the Mansfield Reformatory Preservation Society was formed, and they've turned the prison into a museum and conduct tours to help fund ground rehabilitation projects and currently work to stabilize the buildings against further deterioration. Most of the grounds and support buildings, including the outer wall, have been demolished since the closing. However, the Mansfield Reformatory Preservation Society is currently working to restore the facility to its original state. Restorations to date include the removal of debris, replacement of roofing, complete restoration of the warden's quarters, as well as the complete restoration of the central guard room between the east and west cell blocks. The restorations are being funded through donations and tour fees. The prison is open for guided tours on Sundays and Tuesdays through Fridays. Movie buffs can participate in the Shawshank Trail, where they can hear behind-the-scenes stories and view those parts of the prison featured in the movie. From September 25th through November 1st, those looking for extra thrills can sign up for the Haunted Prison Experience, where the halls of Ohio State Reformatory are made even more menacing by eerie actors and gruesome animatronics. Count me in. Sign me up. I am absolutely 100% there. That sounds amazing. <laughs> the Ohio State Reformatory has been featured in numerous television programs and movies. In 1975, Harry and Walter and Harry and Walter Go to New York spent some time behind bars at the prison. And the facility was also used for several scenes in Tango and Cash in 1989 and again in the Shawshank Redemption in 1994. There was also a scene in Air Force One 
where the property was used as a stand-in prison, as a stand-in for a Russian prison. So the reformatory has a long history of hauntings because of this dark history. In prisons, it's very common for there to be that bad residual energy. It's there's a lot of emotions that are in prisons and there are lots of reports at the Ohio State Reformatory of shadow people, disembodied voices, phantom footsteps, and other strange sounds like cell doors clinging shut. Former inmate Mike Humphrey, who spent 12 months in the East Cell Block back in 1969, has said that the that cell block is one of the most haunted places in the prison. In 2000, his son was with him and they were standing on the stairs when a woman dressed in a green ball gown appeared walking out of the room at the end of the hall. He asked her if she was lost. She turned to the right and then vanished. He also reported that when he was incarcerated, one night he heard a guard coming down the hall and he could hear him getting close, and then he heard him walk right past his cell, but there was no one there. Prior to the prison closing, many of the inmates said a lady would come and tuck in their blankets at night. Employees report feeling like someone is watching them, and they've also said that when they're standing on the main floor, they hear someone walking on the floor above them and what sounds like chains dragging along the floor behind them. Another employee reported that she felt her hair being violently tugged in the basement and she wouldn't go back down there for a few days after. The basement is said to be haunted by the spirit of a 14-year-old boy who was beaten to death down there during the prison's early years. The chapel is said to be one of the most haunted places on the property. Prior to being converted to a church, it was where the inmates were executed. It was very common for visitors to capture strange light anomalies and photographs taken there, and there have been lots of unexplained noises in the room as well. In a lot of reports, spirits are seen lingering in doorways out of the corner of your eye, but they'll vanish when you turn to look at them. And people have been reported to have been touched in the chapel as well. The library is also said to be haunted but by the ghost of a woman who is said to be a former nurse who was murdered at the prison. Another popular haunted location is the infirmary. With all of the death that occurred within the walls of the prison, the infirmary experienced, experienced its fair share of darkness. So it's said that inmates who would visit the infirmary for one of many reasons would go for days without any medical care from staff. Most were neglected and many starved to death because they were too weak to fight off other patients stealing their food when there was no supervision from staff. It's said that there are feelings of random gusts of wind and the sound of moaning throughout the infirmary as if the patients are still there, suffering for all eternity. And that is the dark history of the Ohio State Reformatory.
I am absolutely planning a visit. It looks gorgeous from the outside. From the inside, not so much. And I'll post pictures on the blog so you can see. But I'm definitely interested in these haunted tours that they have to offer. And if you've visited and maybe gone on one of those tours and you have a story to share about your experience, I'd love to hear it. So please send it in and you can email it to me at thehauntedcorner at gmail.com. The sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes and also on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. For exclusive content and access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, please join us over on Patreon. The very first exclusive episode, Cruise Ship Disappearances Part 1, is available now at the $1 per month level on up. If you join at the $5 per month level, you'll have access to upcoming episodes a week early, and you'll also get an exclusive The Haunted Corner sticker after donating for three months, plus a lot more. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to tell a friend. It is the best way to spread the word. If you have a case suggestion or a correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll see you next week. Bye.